Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. We are going to be wrapping up our series today in 2 Thessalonians, so if you guys have your Bibles, let me encourage you to grab them and uh, open them with me to 2 Thessalonians. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you a Bible. We do want you to be able to follow along and keep track with us, whether that's a Bible on your lap or on your app. Uh, Those both work, but just keep in mind we are monitoring your internet use right now. No, just kidding, just kidding. That's just a joke. Just making sure you're uh, following and reading your Bible on your app, uh, not the scores, playoff, basketball. I don't know what's going on out there, but... um, So, uh, yeah, we just want you to be able to follow along and read for yourselves. It's a big part of who we are as a church, uh, going through and teaching the Bible expositorily, chapter and verse, uh, getting God's heart. And one of the things that we've been doing over the past couple of months here at the church is studying Paul's letters to the church in Thessalonica. And so we are going to be wrapping up that series today, looking at chapter 3 in uh, 2 Thessalonians. But I sure hope that you've been encouraged as we've gotten to know a little bit more about this church in Thessalonica. They were just on fire for Jesus. They were a new church plant. And Paul planted this church during his second missionary journey. The story there is in the book of Acts. But we saw that this church really was receptive to the preaching of God's word. And because of that, their lives were changed. And they were really on fire for Jesus. They were sharing it in their their community. And their reputation for having a heart of love and compassion for people, but also for the gospel and sharing it was not only well-known in their city, but it was also well-known in cities around them. And so Paul was encouraging this church in these letters uh, to stay close to Jesus. In fact, we entitled this series In the Meantime because, uh, one, the church was experiencing some persecution and some trial. That, Paul experienced that as well, even in the establishment of the church. And so Paul was encouraging this church while they were going through persecution to stay close to Jesus. But also, as they waited for the return of Jesus, they had some questions about, well, what's that going to look like? And so Paul was addressing some of these doctrinal uh, teachings about the return of Jesus and the rapture of the church and uh, the end times, so some prophecy included in there. And if you want to go back and listen to some of those messages, you can do that on, on our website. We also have our sermon notes available um, on our website, and we've just started providing study guides. It has an overview of the sermon uh, or of the chapter. It has a, a brief devotional. It has uh, six to eight questions, study questions, and then a suggested prayer. So those are on our website that uh, come out following the message, and those are you, you can go on our, our website and find those. But uh, today we're going to be looking at this closing prayer. Paul is going to be wrapping up. Uh, with his final remarks to the church in a prayer. And uh, actually, he's going to be mentioning a couple of things. One, uh, he's going to ask for prayer for himself and his, for his team. Uh, but he's also going to uh, challenge and encourage this church because throughout these letters, he's also been addressing some issues. You know, no church is perfect. 
And the minute we walk in the doors, well, the church is no longer perfect <laughs> uh, because we're imperfect people. And this church was um, uh, no exception. And so uh, Paul, in the first letter, he addressed their sexual immorality. In fact, he said that God's will is your sanctification, that you should uh, re refrain from sexual immorality. And so Paul was addressing some of these issues where the culture was starting to seep into the church and some compromises and some sin. Um, and so, but Paul also warned about disorderly conduct. He's going to do that in this chapter as well. And he's going to talk about those Christians who, uh, people who were in the church who were busybodies, complaining and murmuring, but not contributing. They were only consuming. And there was this entitlement mentality. Well, I, I deserve all these things, but they weren't participating and serving and helping and contributing. And so Paul's going to address that and uh, challenge them in some teaching as well. So the main point that we want to consider today, and just remember, as we have every single Sunday, just one kind of main thought, main point, and then we kind of unpack that as we read through the chapter, is that Paul pleads and prays for unity and harmony in the church. Unity for the body of Christ to be working together in unison, but also harmony, the sense of God's peace. And he closes that with a prayer for God's peace in their lives and, and in their church. And we're going to see this in four very simple ways. One, as I mentioned, uh, Paul's going to ask for fruitfulness in ministry. He's going to ask for prayer to be fruitful in ministry. Secondly, we're going to see Paul uh, talk about the faithfulness of God and how he has confidence in God to fulfill all this type of work in their lives. Uh, thirdly, we're going to see Paul challenge the church to be useful or helpful in the ministry and in relationships with one another. And then lastly, Paul is going to offer some prayer uh, and encouragement for, for God's peace in their lives, God's peacefulness. So it's only 18 verses, but uh, there's a lot to unpack here. So jumping into 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, verse 1, Paul says, finally, brethren, pray for us. Finally, so he's transitioning into his closing remarks. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Now, who is us? Well, it mentions, uh, Paul mentions that in the first verse of chapter uh, uh, 1, as well as in, in, in this book, Second and First Thessalonians. He says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And so Paul is traveling with a team, and Silas and Timothy were young ministers that Paul was training and equipping. He would dispatch these men to various churches and, and ministries to uh, establish elders, to preach, to, to minister to people, to encourage people, to pray for people. And so Paul is asking for prayer. Pray for us. That the word of the Lord, now we're going to understand what this prayer request is. That the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that's uh, something Brian actually mentioned during worship. Where the church was really receptive to the word of God and how it spread rapidly in their lives and, and, and in their church and in their city. And ultimately so that God would be glorified. And we know according to scripture that it's alive and active. God's word is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It has the uh, spiritual ability to reprove and to correct and to, uh, to train up in, in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped in all good things. And so the more you can get God's word in your life, the more you see God change your life and transform you. And so Paul is asking for this type of, of, of ministry, prayer, so that the word of God can travel quickly and be glorified. And then he actually prays uh, for himself in another way in verse 2. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. 
for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. Everyone say faithful. Yes, he is. He is faithful. Who will establish you and guard you from the evil one? So we know that when we follow Jesus, there's an evil one. We talked a little bit about him last week and throughout this series, Satan is, uh, you know, he's got a, a target and he's looking to take out those who are following Jesus. He wants to kill, steal, and dis- to destroy and disrupt your life and to get you distracted and focused on all these other things, the evil one. So there's prayer for um, being guided, but also being guarded. And verse four says, and we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Everyone say love, and now say patience, right? So whenever God's working in your life, you're gonna see more of this. So we're just gonna pause there. There's actually a couple of things happening in our outline. One is, as I mentioned, Paul is asking for prayer, prayer for fruitfulness in ministry. And it's along two, two um, prayer requests. One is for the message, and the other is for the messenger. And the first is for the message, that the message, the word of God, when it's preached, may be uh, glorified and it may do the work that God intends the preaching and the teaching of God's word to do. And so Paul is uh, showing us that prayer really provides power to the proclamation of the word of God. You know, we pray every single Sunday morning uh, here as a team. All are welcome. We uh we pray at 8.15 right, right here in the sanctuary. Pray for all of you who are on your way trying to get your kids uh, dressed and fed and uh, not get upset and angry on your drive to church and you, you walk on campus and you're all frazzled. Uh, I know how it is. We have four kids ourselves. So, you know, sometimes it's difficult. So we're praying for you. Uh, we're praying that God would direct you here and and bring you here and that God would minister to you and and uh, that you'd hear him but there's prayer I mean when we pray uh, God is really moving powerfully Uh, and and Paul says that the more that the people of God are praying the more the power of God is unleashed and uh, you know we like to say that the heavy lifting in ministry is not done by strong backs but bended knees you know, we also need some strong backs around here, but, uh, you know, to, to lift things and to do, but the heavy lifting of, of ministry, the spiritual work of ministry is done as we seek the Lord in prayer, as we, uh, we ask God, because we want to be about God's business. We want to be about what he's doing. You know, you could be really busy, but not busy about the business of God. You could be doing a lot of things, but you could be doing a lot of the wrong things. And we want to be about uh, God's work, right? I mean, Jesus says, there's a lot, I, I'm about my heavenly father's business. And when we pray, oftentimes you move in the direction of your prayers. And as you pray for people to get saved, as you pray for God to pour out his faithfulness, as you pray for marriages to be healed and prodigals to return and addictions to be broken, as you pray, then you start to be invested in people and you look at people in different ways and and, and you encourage them and you, you, you know, these relationships are, are building and growing. And Paul is saying that as, as more people are praying, notice he's, he says, pray for the pastors. I, I just love that. I, I'd encourage all of us to, to do a couple of things that, you know, in praying for, for our church. Uh, Paul says, pray for us. You can pray for the message 
And there's a lot of messages that are being uh, preached and shared. The Bible is being taught to our kids right now, just across the hallway. The Bible is being preached and taught to our youth right now. And our kids and our youth are just under attack from our culture and our world. And they're trying to make sense of who they're supposed to be and, and how they're supposed to live and what they're supposed to think. And, you know, if the world and the enemy is after, relentlessly after our kids in attacking them spiritually, then we, as their protectors, as their parents, as their guardians, should be praying for their protection and ministering to them. And so wherever the word is preached, the ministry of, of God's word, when there's the power, you know, Paul said actually, he, in um, his letter to the church in Corinth, he said, I'm not a really good speaker. And I thought that was pretty remarkable because you think of Paul the Apostle, you know, planted all these churches and so charismatic and all this, you know, just amazing ministry. But he said, I wasn't a great speaker and a, and a preacher. I didn't use eloquent words, he says. But my preaching was with the power of God. And when you mingle the truth of God's word, unfiltered, undiluted, with the power of the Holy Spirit, then that's where the intersection of life change happens. And when there's a, a room and a crowd this size and people who are joining us online, I don't know everything that's going on in people's lives, but I know the Holy Spirit does. And when we're not focused on the, the dynamic preaching or all the points that are up on the screen, I mean, those are helpful. It focuses our attention. It un helps us understand scripture. It's important. We want to be clear about that. But it's about the Holy Spirit taking the word of God and planting it in your heart. And Paul says, would you just pray for us? A couple of things you can do. Pray for the, the ministry of Quest Church. Pray that God would pour out his blessing, his provision, his guidance. Uh, there's so much that goes on into the ministry. Um, and for God to do a work that he's going to do, it takes all of us. It takes all of us coming together and, and contributing and serving. You could pray for the ministry. You can pray for the ministers, all those who are serving. You know, I just, it just thrills me. I'm so um, overwhelmed and blessed to be able to come up when I can on Sunday mornings and just say, hey, I'm Sherwood. I'm part of the ministry team. Because that's really who I am. A lot of people ask me, well, who? What do you want me to call you? And I say, well, uh, I answer to, hey, you. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's fine. That works for me. Um, because there's no one more important than any other person. And I just love it because our ministry team, our team here is doing amazing things. They are just, uh, just serving the Lord. And sometimes they can grow weary. In fact, that's in the second part of this uh, chapter, Paul says that, you know, there are some that are growing weary in well-doing. They're doing a lot of good things. But then on the other side, there are some that are just sitting back and complaining and murmuring and gossiping. And sometimes it can, um, it can cause the people who are doing a lot to become weary. But I think in the church, we should have more well-doing and, and less well-talking, <laughs> you know, uh, not being busybodies and complaining. You know, I was at my son's baseball t uh, game yesterday, Alpine Little League, and there's a sign. It's kind of front and center. And uh, because, you know, you see all these parents, I don't know if you're involved in Little League or sports as a, kid, as a parent, but there's some parents that get pretty intense about it. And the sign says, before you complain, dot, dot, dot. Have you volunteered yet? <laughs> and I thought, 
Okay, well, I actually stole it from the fence and I put it up on the front wall of the church. No, just kidding, just kidding. That would be really bad. What's the pastor doing? He's stealing property. I don't know, but no, we're going to print that all over and put it up on the screens. No, just kidding. Uh, I think there's, uh, there's a kernel of truth there uh, in the sense of being invested and contributing, you know, before you complain. I, uh, despite what some people think, you know, complaining is not your spiritual gift. It's not, I don't see it anywhere here. It's not there. Um, and so... Uh, Paul is saying when we're serving together and praying together, you could pray for the ministry, you could pray for the ministers, you could pray for the members, you could pray for the people. I know that your pastors and your ministry team leaders are praying for you. And Paul here, he's not below asking, would you just pray? Because again, uh, there's a lot of um, attack that goes into ministry. I mean, it's a calling and it's a blessing to be able to serve. And, um, you know, we have a, a good friend who's visiting from, from out of town who's one of our elders and pastors here at the church, Bruce. And, uh, you know, he's like, hey, I got something for your son. Uh, my son Sherwood, he's nine. He always has gifts. He's just giving gifts to people even when he's just visiting. So, and he's got this, um, his, his deputy badge. And he's like, I'm going to give it to Sherwood, and I think you'd really like that. And I, I said, well, I'm glad you're giving him a badge because all the pocket knives and all the other stuff, I had to compensate. No, just kidding. Uh, but he got this, he's getting a, and, I, and he said, oh, I'm going to deputize him. I thought, well, that's funny because I was thinking about deputizing the entire church today in the sense of if you're a follower of Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and you're born again, then you don't need a pastor, you don't need, to, you don't need to wait on a pastor, you don't need to wait on a priest, you don't need to wait on a yoga instructor or a life coach or anything to go serve the Lord, to be uh, an effective minister of the gospel. And that can be at your work, that can be, it should be at your work. It can be everywhere because God's got us sprinkled all over and we're all unique and all different, and various gifts and different locations and places. And that's the beauty and the diversity of the church. So we are going to, Bruce, we're going to deputize everybody here today. I don't know why I did a cross, but uh, we're going to deputize all of you, and you are free to pray for people, to put your hand on someone's shoulder and say, how are you doing, you know, neighbor? I see you're going through something. Can I pray for you? When I, you know, going through this, I turn to the scripture to share a scripture, to encourage somebody, to volunteer, to serve, to help, to see a need and fill a need. Oftentimes when God shows you something where there's a lack, where, oh, that place needs to be swept, or there needs to be, that needs to be cleaned up, or we could tidy this up and, you know, fix it, or whatever. Sometimes it's God's giving you that eye because he's given you that ability to meet that need as well. Paul is talking about the, the message, that the message of God, that's most important, but also the messenger. Fruitful ministry is often fueled by the faithful prayers of people. It's on bended knee, not on bended back. Uh, bended knee is where the heavy lifting takes place, you know, really seeing the Lord. And the more that we can press and lean into praying for one another, praying for our church, praying for our pastors, praying for our leaders, um, and really just praying for one another and seeing God do a powerful work. Paul gives us this example. And then he talks about the faithfulness. Now, how does this take place? Well, it's because God is faithful. And he uses this word confidence. We have confidence in the Lord. Many people are confident in themselves and they point the attention to themselves. He says, I don't want to be glorified. I want the word, the message. 
the Lord to be glorified because he is faithful. He prays and asks God to do two things based on God's faithfulness. One is to guard and the other is to guide. The first is to guard from evil. As I mentioned, when you step out uh, and step, uh, if, as you step out to serve God, Satan is there to trip you up. He's there to kick your feet out from underneath you. He's, he's there to punch you in the face. He's there to, you know, just shoot you down and, and, and get you. Um, and as you serve the Lord, that's just going to happen. The evil one. And sometimes he doesn't even need to be very serious about it. He can just get us distracted on whatever it is. You just go down the list. There's, you can probably think of a couple of things that social media is one of those things. Sports can be one of those things. Drinking can be one of those things. Whatever it is, just kind of get us numb, get us distracted, get us complacent, just kind of get us going through the motions. Oftentimes, that's where the evil one will hit us the most. And we find out that, man, how, how far we've drifted in our passion and our closeness to Jesus over time. So he says, with God, God's faithfulness, can guard you from the temptations of Satan, the evil one coming against you, but it also can guide you. Notice he says, now may the Lord, verse five, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and the patience of Christ. I just love those qualities, the love of God. You know, there's various levels of love, but the highest level of love is this sacrificial love of God. Uh, you can look at First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 and you see the descriptions of, of love there. Love is patient, love is kind. It's not self-seeking, it's not rude. Um, does, keeps no record of wrong, right? Believes all things, bears all things, hopes all things. This beautiful description of love. And you know, when God is working in your life, it will always lead to more love and more patience. And that can be a hard thing because you're going to be around people that are really hard to love. And maybe the person sitting next to you is thinking, well, yeah, that person is really hard to love. And then the other person is thinking, yeah, that person's really hard to love too. Well, you're a perfect match then. Uh, but sometimes we think, well, that person's really hard to love when we're the one that's kind of hard to love because we're stubborn. No, I'm sure there's no one stubborn in here, but I'm just speaking for myself. Stubborn and prideful and hard and brash and, you know, these sort of things. But that's where patience comes in, right? And these are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. The fruit of the Spirit. If, you have the, if you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit, there should be a growth and development. If God is going to work, may the Lord direct now, we, we ask God to direct in many ways, and he's going to give you wisdom, guidance, and decisions, and things like this. But one of the ways God also directs your life is into more spiritual maturity and spiritual stability. Maturity in the sense of growing up into the love of God. This is the love of God. You can look at the other verses. God is love. This love of God that is described in the scriptures should be more evident, growing, directing. As you take steps towards the love of God, then you begin <clears throat> to see the patience of Christ. And you don't need to look any further uh, than Jesus Christ to see his patience, his long-suffering. Patience with me, patience with you, patience uh, in enduring the cross, despising the, the shame and sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God directing into the patience. We can have this type of confidence, Paul says. Confidence in God's consistent guidance. Always guiding us and directing us. But it's gonna look like spiritual work and maturity. Now, 
Paul's going to also, not only, this, see, this is the good stuff. Uh, I love, we love talking about patience and love and, you know, prayer for one another and God doing a good work. But now he's going to talk about some hard stuff. And that is in verse 6. But we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice, this isn't like Paul just saying, well, this is what I think. No, this is what the Lord thinks, as well as that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the traditions which he received from us. Now, we talked about last week the traditions. It's not religious customs and rituals. It's the, or, it's the, um, the spoken and written doctrine and teaching of Jesus Christ and the church to this point. So the scriptures. And so this is where Paul is, this, this is where his authority is coming from. It's coming from the teaching and the doctrine of scripture. And uh, notice he, he uses the word to withdraw from. And that's kind of a, it, it's an increase in intensity since his last mention of some of the disorderly conduct in the church where he said, warn, warn those who are unruly. Now he's saying withdraw from, and we're getting kind of on the verge and uh, talking a little bit about church discipline, which is a pretty sticky and messy subject, uh, but biblically taught. If you do it r- biblically, then um, there should be restoration and healing and no pride, humility, and grace, and compassion, and mercy, and all these sort of things. But also another word that you might have heard, excommunication. Have you heard that word before? It's kind of a religious term where people are kicked out of the church. That's pretty intense. And so Paul is talking about these unruly or disorderly people. And notice, it is in a consistent manner, uh, excuse me, consistent manner, which is inconsistent with the word of God. Right, So this isn't just, oh, well, I messed up. No, these are people who are living in inconsistent with God's word. Four, verse seven, you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. Now Paul is able to say, look at our example. That's tough. I mean, as a parent, you, you hope that you can say that to your kids. Do as I say, not as I do. Is that the phrase that you want to say to your kids? No. You want to model not only in your words, but also in your actions to your kids or to other people. Every single one of us is a leader of some sort. At the, at the bottom of leadership is just influence. So we have influence in people's lives somehow, whether work, school, family, home, life, or whatever it is. And so uh, Paul says, look at my life. And, I, and he, he was trying to live as an example. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any one of you. Not because we did not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. That's pretty remarkable when you see somebody who's like a leader or somebody you really respect or somebody who you think, uh, you know, somebody who has maybe a platform or, you know, is kind of up there. I mean, I don't know why we think that. We think about people and leaders like that, that they're untouchable or they're above us. But, you know, it's, it's encouraging to see our leaders get down and pick up trash, <laughs> you know, to, to do the things that they're asking. For me, it's very difficult to stand up in front of people and to ask people to do something that I'm unwilling to do myself. And that's across the board, whether that's spiritually uh, or just naturally, just in, in life. And that's not to say that, you know, anybody who is in that position is, is perfect because the problem is, is you can see all of, you can see, you know, the closer you get to people, uh, the more flaws you see in their lives. And the closer you get to, get to a, a pastor or, you know, and pastors are just, I mean, they're just regular people. You know, um, and people who serve in ministry, they're just regular people. 
But the closer you get to them, you realize, wow, they're just, they're just like me, and they've got issues, and they've got struggles, and they have challenges um, as well. And Paul is saying that he was living this example. And you can see, you really appreciate, I, I really appreciate people who live and, and walk that talk, because the opposite is so very glaring. There's so many people who talk a really good game, but when you get close to them, it's, it's hypocrisy. It's fake. It's not real. It's not genuine. And I think that should be, I mean, Paul models that for us. Jesus modeled a life of service and humility, um, and, uh, and, and so do we. So Paul is saying uh, this is that example. For even, verse 10, when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall they eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. Everyone say busy bodies. Oh, have you ever used that word before? That's kind of an old school term. Busy bodies. The idea is, uh, you know, meddling in other people's affairs. Somebody who's just talking. Did you hear about what happened in that person's life? Did you? Oh, but you preface it with, well, this, you know, I'm not gossiping. But did you hear about what? And uh, you start talking about all these things. But you're not talking to this person. You're talking about them behind their back or not behind their back, but they're just not there. And, you know, there's this sort of thing that was happening in the church. And Paul's saying, be careful. You don't want you to work with your hands, not to be busy bodies. Now, those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Wow, that's pretty, pretty uh, interesting. There's two kind of sets of people in the church. Those who were doing the heavy lifting of ministry and praying and, and doing a lot of work and uh, not getting a lot of attention for it. And that's usually just the case. Well, people who serve the Lord genuinely, they're not doing it to get attention. They're not doing it to get glory and honor and praise and a plaque on the wall or recognition or anything like that. They're doing it to please the Lord and you sh we should all, all do that. But um, those who were doing the most work were getting the, less, the least attention. Those who were doing the least work and complaining the most were getting the most attention. Why? Because they were stirring things up, man. They were poking that hornet's nest. They were just complaining and, and murmuring and gossiping and talking. And so Paul says, don't grow weary. If, um, if you find yourself in a situation like that um, where you're starting to get weary in doing good, listen, uh, what you do for the Lord matters. And the, it, it matters in the little things as well. That's a wonderful principle to learn early on in your life, or you can learn it right now if you need to, but to be faithful in the little things, the small things, because it's in the small things where character is built. It's in the small and little things where spiritual maturity is developed. And it's through that as you grow up in the Lord, being faithful in the small and little things where he begins to entrust you with more and much. So this is Paul's encouragement. Don't grow weary in doing good. Keep up the good work, brother or sister in the Lord, who are serving God, who, who are um, praying for people, who are sharing the word, who are teaching Sunday school. I'll tell you what, there's always room for more well-doers in the church. I think in this church, but in the church just in general, there's always room for more well-doers. Those who um, would participate and, and serve. There's a lot that goes into um, 
ministry and serving the Lord. In verse 14, he says, if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him. Wow. You realize that back then, there wasn't, you know, it's like, it's not like you go down to the next church if you didn't like the pastor's sermon that Sunday. Or the donuts weren't that, they were kind of stale. And uh, the coffee, wow, that was really bitter. What are they, who do they think they are? How dare they serve coffee to me like that? Oh my goodness, no. Could we be that superficial? I don't know. Not in here, no one in here, okay? So we just clarify that. But um, see, nowadays, well, if we don't like something, we can just go to another church. We go down the street. You could throw a rock to five different churches if you had a really good arm. Uh, from here, you could just go to another place. That wasn't the case then. There was one church, the church of Thessalonica. One city, one church, one body, fellowshipping. And to miss out on the fellowship was such a sore and a pain to those who were walking uh, uh, against the word of God and who were, you know, maybe walking in sin. It was, it was such a pain to miss out on the fellowship that that was church discipline in and of itself. It was like, I just want to be there and I can't be there. Or, you know, this type of idea of withdrawing or this excommunication sort of thing. It's not to drive people away, but to draw them back to the Lord. It's intended to draw people close to the Lord and back to him when when people do walk away or are living inconsistent with God's word. Note them, don't keep company. So that, notice, look here, that they may be ashamed, that they may be basically convicted. There could be a conviction in their hearts. Ah, You know what, I know. But sometimes we think, okay, well, at least that person's gone and they're not going to mess anything up and they're not sitting in my seat anymore. Oh, sorry. Uh, There's plenty of open seats. So you guys guys sit wherever you want. But, uh, you know, no, that's not the case. He actually goes on to say, they're not your enemy. Love them. Notice he says, but do not count them, verse 15, do not count them as an enemy, but admonish them as a brother. This is for restoration. This is for reconciliation. This is intended to restore a person back to the Lord. So Paul models this. He talks about the recipients of those who were lazy, busybodies, living deliberately inconsistent with God's word, meddling in the affairs of other people, Uh, complaining and gossiping about all the things that they see wrong, but not um, invested in making things better. And that really is is the ingredient to a church body that is focused on God's word. There's There's no rock stars or superstars we're all just serving and ministering and, and, and praying for God's work to be done, that we would understand his will and, and, and helping one another. This is the idea of the church, not driving people away, but drawing them back to the Lord. And then lastly, we're just going to close uh, with Paul's prayer. So notice kind of the progression here. He starts off with, hey, would you pray for us that the ministry would continue to be fruitful? And as you're praying for us, just remember We need all of you to be a part of what God is doing in the church in Thessalonica. All of you to be contributing, not just consuming. Every member to be a minister, right? These are some of the things that come out of these verses. And then he closes with a prayer, verse 16. And now may the Lord of peace himself, notice Jesus is peace. You see that? Peace himself. 
He's not saying, oh, well, would you just have peace? No, he's saying that Jesus himself would be with you. There's wonderful promises that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Another title of Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Now, peace is not the absence of disruption in your life. Uh, oftentimes we think, well, if, I just had, if it was just peaceful, that means I wouldn't have any problems and there wouldn't be any issues and there wouldn't be any struggles. Well, that's just not life. Life is full. It's ongoing. Sometimes I think about that even. I think, well, things are going really great. There's no complaints. There's no bad emails. There's no, um, you know, we're doing some cool things. And uh, I think, wow, that's really where it's at. But no, that's, but, but then I realized there's always going to be struggles. There's always going to be some issues. There's always going to be some messy stuff. Why? Because we're people. And that's an ongoing process. It's just loving and caring for people. But it's the peace of God. Do you have the peace of God? God's peace in the midst of whatever difficulty. Now, I don't know what might be going on in your life, but I know God does. And there could be some turbulence and turmoil happening under the surface. Look good on the outside, but God sees the heart. And his peace, this is what Paul is praying for. Pastor Paul is praying for the church that God's peace through Jesus Christ would be given to you, notice, and this peace always in every way. Everyone say always. Say every way. Say everywhere, anytime. That's what he's saying. Always, everywhere, anytime. We can experience and walk in the peace of God that is available through Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle. So I have written the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. We see his heart. His heart goes out to the church as their pastor that the peace of God would be with. And we also see his hand, of course. There's his hand signing his signature as a validation of the authenticity of this letter. But then his hope. His hope is that God's grace. Notice, when you mingle the grace of God and the prayers of people, that is where hope takes place. When you have God's grace just being poured out in a place, and when you have that in that place, people who are praying and encouraging one another around the inspired, powerful word of God, then you have hope. There is hope for hurting souls, troubled souls, broken souls. And that is a place where Pastor Paul was trying to get this church to be reminded of their calling, of their ministry, of their labor of love, of their faithfulness to serve, of their um, of, of waiting upon the return of Jesus. And as they wait for the return of Jesus, growing in sanctification, growing in spiritual maturity, and loving and serving and ministering to other people as they do. So with that, we're going to have Brian and Heidi come on up and lead us in a closing song. But uh, also, here's a couple takeaways for us. Uh, just some application. One is I mentioned at the beginning of the message, looking at these first couple verses. Would you just take... One moment this week. I'd ask you to take more moments or more days if you can. That would be great. Just take a moment this week and pray for the ministry of Quest Church. And pray for God's provision and faithfulness and guidance and direction to be upon the church and the ministries, women's and men's and kids and youth and outreach, life groups, hospitality, 
protection, just all kinds, so much ministry. Pray for the ministry of Quest Church. Would you also, in that same prayer, pray for the ministers? Pray for your pastors and pray for uh, their families and pray for their marriages and pray for their kids and pray for their work and pray for their labor um, and uh, all the, those who are serving in ministry here as well. Pray for them. And would you also, in that same prayer, pray for the members of the church? You might not know a lot that's going on, but pray for God's peace to be upon them. Pray for his presence to be with them wherever they're going. Or if you know about some things that are going on, maybe a surgery that's coming, uh, maybe some, de- some depression or brokenness that's going on, a lost loved one, uh, just worry, anxiety, whatever it is, just stop and pray for the members of Quest Church. These are great reminders in this chapter. Uh, but also, uh, maybe I'll tack one more on. Uh, in that same prayer, would you also pray for eyes to see where God would be calling you to step in to serve him. And if it's here, praise the Lord. If it's somewhere else, praise the Lord. As long as it's something for the Lord, contributing, because you have so much to give. God has blessed you with so much. And when we don't have you, we feel it. It's a, there's, a, there's a hole. There's a loss there. And as we um, link arms together, pray for one another, serve the Lord as this great church. I just really have enjoyed and love going through this series. Two more books of the Bible taught from this pulpit here at Quest Church. Pretty amazing. Pretty cool. First and Second Thessalonians. We're going to continue on because there's many more books to go. But this is what we're all about, serving the Lord. Amen? So, Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that we can go through Scripture Be encouraged, be challenged, be comforted, be convicted. And uh, we pray for fruitfulness in our lives and in the ministry. Lord, um, we pray for your protection. Thank you, you are faithful. But I also um, pray, Lord, that you protect us from the evil one. He wants to just disrupt all the good that is happening. I pray you'd help us all keep our eyes on you too, Jesus. And um, may may we be... weary in well-doing I don't know Paul says don't be weary in well-doing but it's it's tiring but it's a good tire when we do well well good for the Lord so help us show us give us your hope give us your peace we pray this in Jesus name and we all said amen thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego sermon podcast We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.